You are listening to The Benchcast with your hosts, Elvis Mendez and Coach Ben. Hey guys, Coach Ben here, and you are listening to The Benchcast. And I am here with small arm, leg strong, and our good friend, Jimmy Hill. It's a classic American name, Jimmy Hill. But he's with us here today, good friend from the gym. And I wanted to talk to him first off, just how he started powerlifting. Because you started powerlifting a little bit later in life. You're in your 40s now. Right, I'm 45. 45. So you started a little later than others, but nowadays that's not too uncommon. I'll see all kinds of ages that means uh, last meet I went to I saw a seven year old uh, bench 40 I was like 50 pounds it's almost better he, than me he deadlifted <laughs> 100 pounds believe it or not wow yeah this guy was seven years old uh, couldn't even put his feet down on the sides of the pad <laughs> but I've also seen as old as like 85 at meets and they're just doing incredible weights and you can just see how booming powerlifting is right now you got into it a little bit later um but like i said that's not too uncommon now but it must have made a positive influence on you because you've been sticking with it it's been two years now yeah about a year and a half yeah year and a half um so obviously there's something about it that you're, you're into it's making a positive influence for you well i always i always liked lifting weights and then when i was a kid i became like fascinated with bodybuilding um you know, I used to get Muscle and Fitness magazine and Flex and all that other stuff, and I was it was I always thought it was really cool, and, and uh, I, I ended up moving in with with a friend of mine who was a, a semi professional football player, and I was working out with him, but he was also like you know he was a big dude and he didn't make it in the NFL because he had tiny arms. <laughs> and, sounds, sounds like me. Right. I have that problem too. <laughs> right, right, but he could bench press like ridiculous amounts because he was going about eight inches from. From, from you know full press to his chest you might be talking about me right exactly <laughs> I'm not going to talk trash about anyone yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just jealous because I have very very long arms yeah his limb lengths are huge right you should be a strong man right I know what you're doing right well I'll tell you I'll tell you why so um, you know I got married I had kids um, and actually I stopped working out for a long time and I got back into a, a real big health kick and I started doing uh I was going to a commercial gym and kind of doing what, what I was doing, and, and but I was working up by myself, and it was it was all right, it was good, and I was getting back in shape. And then I started to do CrossFit for a little while, and uh, I had a, a, a like a knee injury that I didn't take care of. I had a torn meniscus for like five years. I hurt it after Hurricane Sandy, trying to help someone clean up their house, and being a big dummy, I just let it go and let it go and let it go and let it go. Started doing CrossFit. And, you know, that stuff is really about a lot of the ass-to-grass stuff, overhead yeah, stuff. a lot of mobility involved with CrossFit. Right, a lot. And I had a lot of trouble going past parallel with my knee because I, t- I had a torn meniscus, and I couldn't do it. And I was really stubborn. And I said, no, I'm going to keep going, keep going. And at one point I said, you know, I can't do it. So then I decided, oh, let me go back to basketball. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Which is really good for your knee. choice. But I was kind of like, <laughs> screw it, because I knew at one point, I'm like, this thing's going to go. I might as well push it until I go. And then I was playing basketball. I didn't even hurt myself on the court. I came home one night, and my knee just totally gave out. So what I was, I, I had the surgery. 
I got back into the commercial gym. I started rehabbing my knee in the pool, things like that. And I ended up was talking to someone and I said, yeah, you know what, man, I really would love to go back to weightlifting, but I can't do that deep knee stuff. And the guy said, like, well, what are you looking to do? Well, I said, well, I'd really like to get my legs stronger. It's really important. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, well, you should you know, squat. And you got to squat, right? I'm like, yeah, but I can't squat. But I'm making all these excuses. And he said, well, what else do you like to do? Well, I really like to deadlift. And we go to deadlifting. And he said, oh, okay. Um, and I said, and my bench press just sucks. So he's like, well, geez, <laughs> this is like tailor-made for you. He said, you should go try powerlifting. And like everyone else, I had no real knowledge of what powerlifting was. Yeah. Right? I thought of, you know, you know, a lot of the Russian guys with the big bellies or something like that, even though that was Olympic lifting. You know, you know, I didn't have a lot of knowledge of it. So I said, All right, what the hell? I'll I'll look it up. And then I looked up powerlifting and then you know, fifteen minutes from my house is, you know, the number one coach in the New York area, John Gaglione. Um, and like there's this powerlifting center is like ten minutes away from my house. So I said, All right, I'll do a consultation, I'll try it. Um and then I kind of just fell in love with it, mostly because I sucked at it, <laughs> right? I, I was actually interning there on your first day, and you were kind of a shit show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was, uh, was going to bring up, like, the first time you came in, I remember we were squatting, and uh, I know you probably had that fear of going low, because... Uh, I told you you have to go lower, and you kept saying it's low enough. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was nowhere close. But I, I thought my balls were dragging on the ground personally. Yeah, yeah, it, it was nowhere close, but uh, you got you got to about maybe parallel that session. I think it was so. going to take some time, and you know you had to get over that fear of re-injuring yourself. Right. Uh, a lot of people don't know is you just you kind of have to work slowly through that range and gain whatever strength you can and build that up. You know, especially coming back from something like that, because that that's really important. A lot of people just shy away completely, like you were talking about, uh, when you encounter one of those injuries and just say, "I can't do it." Um, when in reality, you should be able to move like that, but you have to be able to build that up. You just can't load it right away. Well, yeah. So everyone wants to everyone wants to be really good at something right away, or they'll quit most of the time. Yeah. Or they'll just say, "Oh, they'll make an excuse and say, well, 'Well, I'll try something else. This is not for me,' quote unquote." I knew what I wanted. I knew that I really wanted to build up the strength around my knees, right? Because I'm a long, tall dude, and, and I've always had trouble with my knees, right? So I've, I'm like, I had to get hit by a car a couple last last year, um, or in the middle of the summer, and I stopped working out. I had to take about two months off, and I realized I started to I actually started to feel pain in my knee for the first time in a long time. It's because the the muscles around my knee were starting to get a little smaller. Right, so actually, my goal of getting my legs stronger to make my knees better actually worked. What's really, what's really interesting is for me is that, you know, I was doing powerlifting and I started doing it, and I, like I'm a really good athlete. I was always a really, really good athlete. Right, if you give me a ball or this, that, whatever, put me on a court wherever it is, I'm good at it. I'm a natural athlete. Got great hand-eye coordination, a lot of stuff. Like, and then I got here, and I'm like. Wow, I kind of really suck. At this. <laughs> totally different world. Totally different world because it was a whole different mindset, and for me, it was like about sticking with it and trying to see where I could take it. Did you know what you were getting into when you walked in? Did you have any background knowledge on what was going to happen? I had. I really or you just kind of go in hoping for the best type of deal, see what it was all about. Well, I'm a yeah. That was I'm a pretty adventurous guy. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll try stuff, 
right? And, and uh, I'm so not... you just kind of knew there was squatting, deadlifting, benching involved. Yeah, I didn't quite know what you were going to get into that day. Mm. I was going to walk in and kick ass and show everyone how to do how to power. Like, that's exactly what I was going to do. <laughs> didn't work out that way. Um, but but I, just, I just fell in love with it. I, I love it. I think it's a great sport. It's um, and, you, and, you know, you're watching now. You're watching it kind of explode Yeah. now. And you're yeah, watching. Time. Yeah. It's awesome. Especially, like, like I, really, I really like watching the women right now. Because they're doing oh, some man. amazing, amazing stuff. They're just blowing it out of the water. There's so many more women involved in the sport. I mean, even uh, you know, hear John say just how many were involved in the gym back in the day to, to now, where you, you have just sessions that are just all women. At sometimes, you know, it's just uh, it's crazy to see that turnaround. But you know, people are, are realizing that you can get involved in this type of sport and. Uh, like what? What do you like about it the most? I know, at least from my perspective, I like seeing um, you know changes occur. Like I like seeing that number on the bar increase. I need something measurable to go off of. You know, I need something that's telling me, hey, I'm putting in the work and I'm getting better. And I, I love how uh, you can see those results as long as you're putting the work with powerlifting. Is that something that that kind of got you into it as well, or you like some of the health effects of it? I, well, I, both. I really like. Um, it, it really is a discipline, and, and, and you know the, I've, I've I've gotten to realize that the more I put into it, the more I get out of it. And you know, from when I first started, you know, it was kind of about just going and, and getting it done and getting the workout done. And sometimes I would like go, a little check off your list, right? Right. And, and even within that, like, okay, I did my main exercises today, and I didn't do my accessories. All right, whatever. I'll go and I'll come back. And then now it's like. They're almost as important as the main lifts for me, you know, because it's about that I'm watching that I need to do this if I want to. Now it's also like the diet. Like when I first started, like I was coming off of, of a diet where I was not, I was on, on, a, on a deficit diet. Like I was eating like 1,800 calories a day because I was at one point, I was, you know, 320 pounds. I got down to 250. And like I had to completely change my mindset about how to fuel my body up until like a year and a half later. Now I eat completely different. You know, and I, I, and I realized too that I was not eating enough for a long time. My body was actually holding on to weight. And so it was like this whole kind of like psychological mind, mind screw of like kind of turning everything inside out. And, you know, oh, people too, like, oh, oh you, my favorite thing is when people say, oh, you're doing powerlifting, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. yeah right. Oh, you're going to hurt point. yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. And I have a friend. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I have a friend of mine who's about my age. He's 46 years old. And he hurt, him, hurt his back raking leaves. And I'm like, <laughs> you're going to hurt yourself by not Absolutely. doing shit. You know what I mean? And I'm out here really trying and really pushing towards it. And, and I like it. It's like it's, it's everything every day is kind of like a goal focused and, and, and pushing and, and, and trying to get somewhere. And, and for me, I realize is that it's really not like I don't have a definable. I know you have like certain definable numbers and you hit that number and then it becomes the next number. For me, my numbers are not as defined. It really is more of a work in patience because I'm not a patient person. And I know that when I come to the gym, that, like, especially with my bench, like, my bench is not great, right? But I work hard at it. I work hard at everything. And I know that I'm, there's certain numbers that I'm going to hit. But the question is, am I just going to quit when I hit that number? Absolutely not. It's, like, more about, like, it's more about the process and more about feeling good about the process and putting 100% effort into the process and then seeing what I get out of it. Yeah. And that's a real good mindset. A lot of people, like you said, they start, they suck, they quit, and they, they don't do it ever again. 
That's terrible. And what I actually like, too, is just the downs, too. Uh, I remember my first multiply meet, I bombed on the bench out of all lifts. Uh, I think I've told this story a good amount of times, but... Um, you know, it was, a, it was a huge learning experience because I cut 27 pounds for that meat. Right. Uh, first time ever doing a cut that big, plus wearing multiply, the first multiply meat. So now you have the gear to think about. And while squats felt great, when three for three on squats, a bench shirt was just not there. Completely bombed out of that meat. Um, I was upset. I just left, you know. Uh, I didn't feel like finishing the meat, really. That, that was it for me. Um, so I picked up my bags, headed home, and... You know, I learned a lot from that. I immediately got my shirt pinched, um, came back, crushed it the next meet, qualified for the Arnold. Uh, I remember just last meet two qualifying for this year's Arnold did not go as planned, but I already made some huge adjustments going in from that meet to what I'm doing now, um, and, I, and I enjoy that. You know, it's it's just enjoyable when you hit that down and learn it from it because you don't always learn a ton when you're successful all the time. You know, it's when you really hit that snag that you learn, all right, well, this is a real weak point, and this is how I need to do, what I need to do to get better. Um, so I really enjoy that. So that's good to hear from you because if there's a lot of people, you can tell right away if someone's in this for a long haul right. or not just by, like, that patience reading because you got to have an extreme amount of patience in this sport. Well, I think, you know, kind of it, it, what it does is it goes across all of life. Mm-hmm. So it's the concept of failure. So what it like? What's failure? For me, I've I for a long time in my life had a really bad relationship with failure, to the point where I would avoid it at all costs. And I've gotten over time to learn that failure is not this big word that you can put on your shoulders and make you feel depressed and this and all that other stuff. It's just part of a process, right? You know, things go up and down and up and down, and failure is just part of the continuum. And I've also learned too that in life that you learn more from not being successful than, than you do from being successful. Kind of like what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And if you want to challenge yourself, you can either stay in that safe spot where you know where everything's going to work and everything's going to be successful and you can walk and feel great about yourself. Or you can put yourself into that kind of a realm of uncertainty or a realm of potential failure and then you have the ability to learn from the things, from the from those moments, and that's the question: Do you want to grow, or do you want to be safe? Do you want to stay in the same spot, right? And that's the question. So, like, that's what I really like about powerlifting too. It's like, you know, I'm not an equipped lifter, but you find a lot of people that when they get to a point where they say, "Okay, I've kind of hit a plateau here," and in, in my raw stuff, let me try the equipped because it's like a whole other world, and it's almost like starting over again, right? Yeah. You say. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of new ways to challenge yourself. Uh, I think weight class stuff is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people have a hard time with that as they start dropping weight because they want to look better, but then they realize their lifts are starting to struggle a little bit because you're just not going to have the same pop when you drop 20 pounds all of a sudden. Um, the strength's just not going to be there. Your dimensions are totally different. You're probably going to have to change your technique, but it's a new challenge, and if you accept it as a new challenge and you accept it as new PRs, at a certain weight, then you handle that much better. Like all my benches, I, I remember one year, I think I went through four different weight classes. It was a crazy year cutting up and down weight and stuff. Um, but I accepted each bench at each weight class as just a new PR. And, you know, if I dropped down, I was just accepting that the bench was going to be lower, right. obviously. 
So um, I think that's a great way to challenge yourself in a new way. Adding pieces of equipment, like you said, knee wraps, um, even minor things like that. But you get into like single ply, multi ply, all new ways to challenge yourself. There's a lot of different avenues, which I think is um, good. And then like, you know, the spreading out of so many divisions within the sport. Um, I'd like to see it a little more unified, but um, I think there's always different ways to challenge yourself. So even if you do get frustrated just trying to push your raw numbers at a certain weight, there's always something else you can do. And that's also a good mindset to take if you go through an injury, if you go through a surgery. Because, like, right now, I still have my pre-surgery PRs and my post-surgery PRs. Right. And, like, I know, like, these are different. I have to build back up to this. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like I'm, I'm in the process. I'm, I'm on a diet right now. It's a performance diet, but it's, it's a diet nonetheless. And, you know, last year, last summer, I was down to, like, 252. I was, like, below 15% body fat. And for me, that was really good. And now, you know, I stopped, I stopped eating meat, and I became a vegetarian, and that just kind of loaded a lot of carbs up. And then I started powerlifting at the same time. So it was like a lot of changes at once. And then it was just like I'm just shoving whatever is not meat into my face <laughs> to get calories. And it wasn't good. It was an adjustment. And I ended up putting a lot of weight back on. Um, and now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I want to I, I get back to a healthier weight. But now I have a goal focus of 272 weight class. Right, so it's different. It's instead of being you know three hundred weight class or the you know super heavy, I want to be. So now I have something because of powerlifting. I have like a literal point to say. say I want to get to this point yeah. to be at least be in this weight you range. You have a select weight. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to take a step back and <clears throat> just talk a little bit about um, maybe your life, not even just powerlifting, but life before lifting. All together, like I know you were an avid athlete when you were younger, but there's probably a break in between there for a bit. Um, so, what was life kind of like before you even lifted at all, really? Uh, and then after you introduced lifting back in, because I know, at least for myself, if I go even like three days without doing any kind of physical exercise whatsoever, uh, I get like stiff and. I just feel kind of achy. I mean, just the other day, I ended up uh, getting sick uh, this past weekend, and I was laying down most of the day, and just being stagnant for that amount of time, I'd stand up, and I felt like I had elephant legs. I was a new <laughs> elephant. I was flopping around <coughs> everywhere. It was awful. Um, so just talk a little bit about what lifting has done for you like physically and health-wise and all that stuff. Well, I, you know... Like I said before, I'm, I'm 45. I've got four kids. Um, my kids are 11, 13, 15, and 17. So I had them really close together. And so, you know, that type of life can be just to maintain and keep that together can be really hectic. Yeah. Um, also, a lot going on. yeah, a lot going on. So I was working two jobs, live on Long Island. It's not a cheap, cheap place to live. Yeah, definitely not. You know, and their mom um, stayed home a stay-at-home mom because it was just you had to or it was the best way to do it um, so I did all the work um, so there, there was a there was a big point in my life where exercise and really just taking care of myself in a physical sense went to the wayside and um, you know it's kind of funny it's like part of my identity was being an athlete too so I also lost a little bit of my identity too mm -hmm. um, 
and I would kind of dive in and out. I would play, you know, basketball with my friends in, in a league, um, or I would play softball or whatever. And do something to stay active. Something to be outside, do something, you know. But then, of course, I also, you know, I coached my sons and daughters in, in baseball and softball, so I was out on the field or something. But that actual, real, productive, healthy, tangible exercise wasn't there. And also, you know, be really candid, I'm a recovering alcoholic. So I, at one point, you know, I was a dad with four kids and still managing an addiction, and which is not easy to do. I certainly don't recommend it, right? I don't recommend being addicted to anything anyway. Uh, but during that, it was really, really tough. So I actually had a, a, a few moments of what you would call failure, right? So I ended up having a divorce. I ended up having some pretty serious health problems. I ended up being pre-diabetic. Um, a lot of things that, you know, you would say, okay, yeah, this is not what you really want on your continuum. You don't want this stuff. But it also became a point of all of this stuff I was able to learn from and get better from. So at one point, I, I got to the point where I had been sober for long enough, and, you know, my therapist was saying, it's about your brain health. Like, if you want to stay sober, if you want to have a better life, you need to treat your brain right. Like, you need to feed it good food. You need to sleep and you need the good drugs. You don't need alcohol or if anyone else out there is doing whatever if you're smoking pot every day, if you're if you're whatever whatever your whatever your thing is, um, your brain reacts much better to the good chemicals. Like when you give it things like exercise, like your brain thrives. And it's just it's just nature. So I said, okay, I'm gonna commit to this. Let me let me get back into it. And it was actually great because, you know, I had I did have such a good history with athletics and, and exercise and I loved it. So I ended up getting back into exercise. And it's really become like a part of my life. Like a big part of my life. Like a main focus. Mm -hmm. And it's not about just, you know, um, it's not just about, about you know, a way I look, which is, is important, you know, but it's, it's more about just a whole mindset of well-being. Right? It's not even just like being happy, right? Because everyone talks how they want to be happy all the time. It's just fucking impossible. It's not possible. Someone dies in your life, right? You can't just sit there with a smile on your face and be happy all the time. It's almost, almost inappropriate. But you can be healthy around it. Like you can have a good mindset and be healthy about losing someone. As, as morbid as that sounds, you can, there's better ways to be around that as opposed to just kind of falling apart when someone dies, right? So um, for me, it's, it really is about well-being and in a great mindset and so now when I started with uh, uh, with powerlifting it, it's become like an everyday thing yeah an everyday thing like I yeah. eat purposefully uh, even if you're not training you're probably dieting you're doing all those right. things right you're trying to recover doing all that um, so there's always something to do to, to get better you don't have to be lifting you know when you're when you're lifting you're breaking things down it's uh, the things you're doing outside exactly. of that as well so you need to rest too, right? So like, was sleep ever a priority? Like my sleep is now completely different. Like I know I need to sleep. I will not stay on my phone for as long as I would or I'll make sure that I get like, I, you know, I still have crazy hours but I make sure I nap because I know that my body needs to sleep. And now I eat like purposefully, right? Now I'm, right now I'm eating like five times a day, 40 grams of protein, X, blah, blah, blah. Like every time, like it's really about a consciousness of what my life is is like, like where it used to be like, well shit, I'll just pull over and get 
Subway because I'm hungry now and or shit, you know, I'll get three hours of sleep, oh I can sleep next week, whatever. It's completely different. So like getting into powerlifting has completely changed my approach around pretty much everything. And that's what'll happen when you get a goal, when you find a focus, you start to cut out all the bullshit in your life. Like this isn't serving me. Subway isn't serving me. Being up all night on my phone isn't serving me. Right. Get focused, and then you, you get obviously you've seen better results since then. Sure, and it's about taking care of yourself. Yeah. And as much I know, listen, I know powerlifting is it's a, it's a it's a tough sport, and it, it attracts people who are tough. But any discipline, you have to be really tough. But I know there's a mindset around like weightlifting, like you know, suck it up, do all that stuff like that, right? Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, you, you know, don't be a pussy, and, <laughs> which, which is it's, it's actually got. I'm talking about that integration, like a lot of women. Which I think is a really good thing. You know, a lot of women don't react to as well as that stuff, and, and nor should yeah. they, right? But the thing is, is it really is about being good to yourself and like being compassionate to yourself. Like you're taking care of yourself. Like when you eat well and you sleep well and you focus on your your nutrition and you focus on your health and you focus on all the exercise and you work hard, you're taking care of yourself. You're being really as as as, as much as you think you're being hard on yourself, you're not. You're actually being really good to yourself. And the thing is, like you know feeding your addiction like sitting drunk or sitting high all day or not not exercising that's being hard on yourself that's 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 self-loathing yep right that's that's not taking care of yourself and which is like you know if someone is out here and they hear that and you have an addiction that's not a criticism of you it's not saying that you're a bad person because you have an issue with because you're going through something you're just going through something but there is a lot more room for you to take care of yourself and a lot more room for you to honestly to love yourself, to really give yourself that good stuff. So even if you're, you know, you have, you know, elements in your life that you do take care of yourself, there could be some of those elements in your life where you're not taking care of yourself so well. And I totally invite you to look into that stuff and examine it. When we were talking before about how it's not like being in that space that's not comfortable. Like that's that's what addiction is. Addiction is all about that being in that comfort zone. And as much as it can ru ruin your life. It's still really comfortable to be there, right? What's not comfortable is getting out of that and seeing what life is like when you're not drunk or you're not high or you don't have. You say to yourself, "I'm just not going to do it." You your know? addiction is your escape. It is just you know to comfort yourself, trying to like keep you in that zone. You don't like stretch. You don't have to feel hurt. You don't have to feel pain. Exactly. Unfortunately, in the long run, at the end of that line, it's all pain. It's all pain. Yeah. That's all it is, right? So, there you go, brother. You know what I mean? So. My little Hulk Hogan moment there, right? So, you know, and all those things, and I, I even know just like taking a walk is so beneficial. You talk about the mental stuff, like even if it's not, you know, take a quick walk. It's not as much physical that I'm getting out of it, but just being outside, getting fresh air, getting some sunlight, um, just doing something like that. Uh, just completely changes how I think about my day and just like the course of the day and how positive I am. And, uh, so I try to do those things. Um, but yeah, any kind of physical activity, just it, it's unbelievable how big of a difference that makes. And you know that that might not be as relevant to who's listening here because uh, you know our our viewers mostly pretty um, the dedicated powerlifters for the right. most part. But um, yeah, completely and. Uh, the thing I always talk about is uh, motivation. Like, so you could just be in this for the long haul, um, but uh, you definitely will go through periods that you're just not motivated to train. You know, I go through it all the time myself where last thing I feel like doing is getting myself into the gym, 
to sure. do that hard training, especially in a meat prep or something. Um, but it's just we just kind of find a way to do it. But it's understanding that you're kind of gonna go through that that change in motivation. Do you ever get that um, where? You just, it's the last thing you want to do, but you just uh, find Yeah, I have pretty much have a mental breakdown every time before I squat. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's about squat. It, it, but it's a great thing for me to learn from, too. It's like, I don't know what it is. It's just something about squatting. It's it's like Monday morning or Sunday morning. It's like I'm starting my week off loading my back up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, was, you skip around in the parking lot with your rip right, rope. Exactly, right, <laughs> right. And it's just like, I don't know what it is. For some reason, I'm like, every time I'm like, I'm not going to make it. Like I'm gonna die, and I drive. And I just and I just I, there's that voice to my head. I just just shut up, go like, okay, whatever. And then I get through squats, and I'm like, oh, I wasn't so bad, whatever, you know. And so yeah, but that's, of course, you know, I think the thing about motivation too is really important. Is like you really want to do something. Like, I want to do it. Like you want to bench, you know, a thousand pounds one day. Like you want. That's what you want to do, right? You want it. And then, so, it's like a lot of times when people go to the gym, they or they do anything in life, they'll say, oh, I have to do this, or I, oh, I need to do this, I gotta do it. And, you know, what that does is that kicks in, like, this infantile response to where, like, you're like this little kid, and you're like, fuck you, I'm not gonna do it. No, I don't wanna do it. Exactly. <laughs> right? As soon as you say that stuff, like, you need to want, it's just, it's like a recipe for failure. And so it's kind of like, I always, I always kind of self-correct myself, like, say, like, I want to do this. Right, because I do, I do, I want to be in good shape. Like I want to squat, you know, I want to squat at one one point six hundred pounds at some point. Like you know, I'm I want to squat five hundred pounds next. Right? I want to deadlift six hundred pounds. I want to bench, you know, over three hundred. I want to do all that stuff. I think that's what helps is when you go into it with the end goal in mind and knowing that what you're going to do today is going to help you get there. And if you don't, it's not going to help you. Exactly. So that's how you kind of have to approach that. It's not what's happening in the moment. It's like what you have to do to get the goals. And that's the best way to approach those type of deals. And along the way, replacing yourself language. Instead of like, I have to, you can say I want to or right. I get to. Like being appreciative that you get to go through this journey to get to your end goal itself. Right. Like you had told me that you hit a plateau for a while on the yeah. bench, right? For like almost like a year, right? Yeah, which isn't I'm too uncommon. Vinny DiCenzo, three years. Three years. got stuck on a bench, and I can only imagine you know, how <laughs> mentally tough that can be. Right. And so almost to the point, it's like, you know, it almost gets to the point you say to yourself, like, why am I doing this? Like, what am I doing? Like, at some point, when you're in the middle of a hard workout, you're like, you say to yourself, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, why, you know, like, why am I, I'm six foot four, why am I deficit deadlifting right now? Right? You know, like, we were working out the other day, and I, we added the extra, um, the band tension, the band yeah. tension on, on the bamboo squat. On the, on on the deadlift. On yeah. A, yeah, right, or, or the deadlift. Yeah, both of them. Right, right, and I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. Why am I doing that? <laughs> right. uh, you know? I'm about 5'11", Jim is 6'4". <coughs> he has an extra 5 inches of band tension at the top of the deadlift. Right. And I was deadlifting soon, but you're doing conventional, so that's just... It was tough. Yeah, it's crazy. That was tough. <laughs> By the time you get to the point where you get to the top, you're like, everything is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Right? But the question, the thing is, I want to do it. I want it. I want to. So it's like, a lot of times, like, when people look to, like, set goals at things, if, if the question is, do you really want to do this? It's not, I should do this, or, like, I'm supposed to do this, or, um, you know, my mom wants me to do it, my girlfriend wants to do it. If you're going to set goals, make sure you're setting goals for things that you really, truly want to do. That's really the number one reason to get started on goals, you know? you got to want it. Otherwise, it's just a recipe for failure. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We talked about this before on other podcasts where you could do, like, the same setup 
every training cycle. But it always seems like another lift's popping up on you. Like one training cycle, you, your squat jumps up, but your bench and deadlift might not move. They right. do the same thing next one. Nothing really changed. All of a sudden, now here goes your deadlift. Squat kind of stayed the same. Maybe bench goes up a little. It's like it's always something a little bit different. And very rarely do all three go up. And if you can get that going, you know, right. either you're still kind of early stages or, you know, you just had some kind of wonderful training cycle. You just nailed everything. But, uh, yeah, it's just weird how that works sometimes. So even when you're, you're stagnant for a while, um, it, it really sucks if you're stagnant in all three lifts or even right. see a drop and you're stagnant. But um, as long as you're seeing progress in something, you know, just relish in that because eventually you, you'll get through that plateau and, and you'll find what you need to actually bust through. It's usually, it could be something as weird as, like, when I was stuck, uh, for instance, adding in, like, feet up tight work, longer range work. Um, benching a little more often and like an overhead press you know just right. the combo of the right things come together and all of a sudden it just skyrockets for you right. and it could be as simple as that you know powerlifting is just an ever changing puzzle piece well it's funny like you know my girlfriend is an Olympic weightlifting coach and a CrossFit coach and that's you know that helps too because we're, we're both in the same mindset like we share yeah. a lot of, like we have a great understanding like if you have a, you know a wife or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a husband who doesn't do this and they just don't get it it's tough yeah right it's hard they don't understand and, they, and it's not and a lifestyle stuff exactly exactly but she, she's been doing this for a while and she you know she i was lucky she warned me about like the newbie gains that you get when you first start <laughs> because you shoot up man like you know you start oh, oh you're deadlifting you know oh you deadlifted 300 pounds and next thing you know you're you know six months later you're benching you're deadlifting 400 pounds yeah. at some point that's going to uh, you know, that's going to end. Your bench is going to yeah. right. Your bench, you're 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 shooting through the stars and your bench. You're like, oh, this is just going to last forever, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Nothing does. But especially lately, you're going to hit a hit a wall. And I was actually talking the other day. So I said, this. I think I enjoy this part of the process more. It's yeah, more the interesting. Struggle, the struggle. Right. If it was easy, I mean, everyone would do it and exactly love it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but yeah, that that struggle. That's uh, that's something that uh, you have to have a special mindset for. But that's definitely probably the most rewarding thing for me is like the patience that taught me too and how I can just apply that to everything else you know you gotta work hard for what you want it doesn't just come to you it's always a good lesson yeah uh, so you also made some other changes such as um, I guess you wouldn't say vegan I mean you were for a while but more vegetarian now um, you know how has that made a positive influence in your life because I know before you were telling me you could pick a chicken wing clean from the bone I didn't believe that shit but you showed, <laughs> you showed me a video and you, right. you picked the chicken wing clean from the bone that's right you spit it out but, but how, how's that made a positive influence because I know a lot of people listening it's kind of a big craze now going <coughs> vegetarian doing all that stuff all these diets are out now um, and I'm sure a lot of people are interested and I see more and more going over like to the vegan route and stuff not lately uh, why don't you give us a little background on, on how you made that change uh, some of the obstacles and well, how it positively influenced you well me so I had one point I had you know I had lost like 60 pounds and I had become much more health conscious um, and then of course you know you, you have to really focus on what you're eating you know, you, you know, it's not like you said. You just don't pull over and have Subway. It's just not the way that it is. You know, and they're eating three chicken breasts and broccoli because it's high protein, low carb, looking to lose weight. And I kept changing and changing and changing. And just the, the more and more I looked into eating, and the more and more I looked into food and actually how it's produced, um, 
Um, and I guess there was, you know, I, I've looked into Buddhism and, and you know, I, there's some element of like an ethical and moral part around it, but it's not how it started. It started with kind of watching a few document, documentaries and saying, and then, and just being a, like a curious person around how things work anyway. Um, kind of like, I don't think I, I trust like these really, really big companies <laughs> to make sure that the food I'm eating is going to be good. Yeah. And that's really, really most of like how it started because I got I started to do some kind of weird how things were made and the, some genetically modified things and 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 it was kind of the process. And I said, you know what, I don't I don't think I trust this as much, right? Um, it's kind of like going to the bank and like you know after the financial collapse, it's like I don't really trust the big banks that much anymore. And it's yeah. seen kind of the same thing with a lot of things with food production. So, but it also too was like, like I was curious and I like to try things. So I said, screw it, whatever. And then I became, I went from being a straight up carnivore um, to a vegan. Now, also one of the one of the motivations was health stuff. Like I've had digestive problems my whole life. So if I would eat steak, like I'd have just like, uh, I'd try to go to sleep. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with like fucking acid coming into my throat. Yeah. So, so there's a whole m multiple things. But I went from straight like being vegetarian, uh, uh, carnivore to being vegan. And that's kind of what I do sometimes. Like, I, like, you know, my girlfriend, she is a very, like, planned out. Like, she's one of those persons who, like, you know, to buy a pencil on the internet, she'll read 800 reviews. Like, you know, how is this pencil? What do you think? Like, I don't do that. I just dive into shit because otherwise I won't do it. <laughs> I seriously, honestly do not recommend going straight from carnivore to vegan. It is a tough transition. Um, I would recommend, like, trying to either go vegetarian first or try go like one meal a day without meat or dairy or and then see how that works because my body went into like like shock because <laughs> I treated I treated my body like a garbage can for a long time like I worked yeah. in a bar business where like you know what are you having for dinner tonight wings what else is new right <laughs> wings and beer and then so part of that going vegan it was like flushing out my body and holy shit it was not good. It was rough. I it just like yeah. I have a girlfriend. I work in the public. I have, I got to go to the gym, and I yeah. was just I was, I was so like for like three months. I was so gassy and shit. And, yeah. and then I reintroduced dairy into my life, and and that seemed to get it a little better. Um, and then over time, I, I I brought eggs back in because I really wanted that clean protein, no carbs and things like that. And then recently, I decided I wanted to try to go back um, vegan. I was doing the performance diet. Um, I purchased a diet plan, and I decided to go into that, and um, it's been working really well. Actually, I'll be honest with you, I've never felt, honestly, I've never felt better. I also think, too, is because I was not eating enough. I definitely was not getting enough protein. Yeah. Um, and I was not, you know, I wasn't, my nutrient timing was off still, so it really is more about a philosophy about, it really is a, a health-minded Philosophy and like I don't listen. I don't judge anyone who eats meat. I really don't. I don't care. I mean, it's 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 a thing. But I also don't like. One thing I don't like is when people, like you know, oh I could never do that. Like, oh you're vegan. They instantly make it about them. Like no, I could never. I I love bacon. I'm like I'm not trying to take your fucking bacon from you, bro. I was like I don't care. Like, I don't give a shit. But also that statement I could never do it is a lie. It's not true. You could. You could. You yeah. don't want you could. it. You don't want to. And that's fine. and that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Not a big deal. Right. But if you want to, you can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not coming here throwing red paint on you because you're eating a pork chop. Like, I don't care. Yeah. You know? So for you, it was more um, 
kind of how, how you feel, take care of your body more so than like a moral thing. Because I know it goes, like a lot of people are just superly morally uh, against like the killing animals nowadays and all that stuff. My philosophy is, again, it's like a Buddhist philosophy. It's like, if you don't have to hurt something, don't. Like you don't, yeah. you know, you got a, you got a spider in your house, you don't have to crush it. Yeah, you right? do. You, could, <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have to. Far. Right, but uh, you may not like spiders. But, you know, you can pick, put that spider on a newspaper and put it out in the backyard, and it's going to help eat other bad bugs you don't like or whatever. Yeah. You don't have to. It's a choice. So right now, I, and I went from that. I went from crushing the spider to saying, you know what? Let me take two seconds, put the spider on a newspaper, throw it outside. It's just a different mindset. You know, and it's really, for me, it's but also like changing what it is about well-being. It is about... But it's not about being immediately happy. It's about a longer road where, where for a long time I didn't think about the long road. It was about now. Like buffalo wings now. Yeah. Right? I like buffalo wings. I'm going to eat them now. Yeah. I'm going to wash it down with, with you know, eight vodka sodas. And it's like, no, I don't do that as much. I want to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's inner child. Yeah. You can feed me. Whatever, right? So uh, for those who may be struggling to make the transition and all that, uh, what are your favorite substitutes? Like something that might look and taste like a chicken wing and give you the, kind of that sensation mentally, but not it's not chicken. Right, so there's the, the seitan, right? That stuff is like, right now it's like gold for me because it's it's high protein, it's low carb, and it's kind of like crumbly. It's kind of like a chopped meat like substitute. And the one that I really like is uh, it's the chorizo uh, seitan. You know, it's you know, and it comes in a package. It's like five bucks a package. It's about two big servings. It's about you know, thirty grams of protein per serving. Um, I mix that with you know with eggs, or I mix that um, with some quinoa or brown rice and some vegetables. And you know, you can spice the flavor, the shit out of it too. You know, you, you know, you put hot sauce, this that. For me, that's been a, a lifesaver. Because oh, you know what? If people think you know, you know, oh, you you don't. If you're a vegan or vegetarian, like you must eat a ton of tofu. I hate tofu. I hate it. It's gross. It's like someone spit in your mouth. I want nothing to do with it. Right? And I've tried it in 800 different ways to have it. And it's like, yep, I still don't like tofu. Yeah. So so that's been a really, really big thing. Um, and honestly, like even like like good protein shakes, like plant-based protein shakes, mixing that with like peanut butter powder, which takes out all you know a lot of, a lot the of fat, the fat, a lot of the fat, and a lot of and, and things like that, and almond milk, and 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 actually you know chocolate, soy milk. So when I do have, like, um, when I do have in my carbs, like I can have some fat and some carbs mixed into it. And it's, I mean, it's not a ton of sugar, but like silk chocolate, soy milk, that like that really helps too, like that. But I still, and I'm vegan, but I still eat eggs. I, I do eat eggs, yeah. and that's like total lifesaver for me. Yeah, nice. no, it's got to be huge. Yeah, nice. I mean, a nice hot meal. Like I eat eggs every single day. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I, I'd get a little sick of that after a while. I I tried to do um, uh, what is uh, keto? I did keto one. I remember. I thought it'd just be cool. I was kind of just trying to be a badass. I ate like a whole carton of eggs. I ate the whole dozen. I crack right. them, take the yolks out, right. and cook the whole thing up. I felt like throwing up after. The <laughs> right, right. Well, one of the things too is like I know like I know for me is that when if I start something. Um, I, I kind of get I gotta get set like I'll like I'll eat the same things the same 10 15 things for a week or two and it's just it's and it's just like I can get through it it's not it's not really that enjoyable but again you know it's kind of like I gotta get to a point where like I, this is what I want I want to lose weight and if I want to lose weight I have to get here and that's the path right so now now for me right now is now it's integrating like 
things that taste better, try it, experimenting a little more. But to get that down, that first week or two down, it's like, okay, this is what I'm eating. Yeah. Right? And then this with this diet, too, it's like you have to have like one or two servings of vegetables a day uh, for each meal, like one or two cups each meal, which is tough. <laughs> yeah. Right? And because it actually, it's really funny. It's actually it's a lot discipline. of food. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of food. You know, you're showing me like, God damn it, now I'm going to finish all this broccoli whether it kills me or not. <laughs> right? You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely a tough thing for me is just having to eat the same things all the time. I do a little better with having more variety and having the choices around and be able to mix that in more often. Absolutely. But I know some people are just totally the opposite and they, they just need to um, set that regimen for themselves and, and just stick to it. And they just need someone to lay it out. Like, you're just going to eat this chicken, brown rice, or whatever, you know, that deal. And, uh, you yeah, know, I, I don't, just... I don't think that's a bad thing, especially when you first start something. Yeah, sometimes you just need that structure. <coughs> exactly. But I know for myself now, I've, I've been through those phases enough times that I just need to have variety. And I think it kind of drives the, the wife nuts, because she'll see me get into, like, a certain thing. Like, I'll eat these steak and rice in the summer... And then I'm I'm good with that for about a week, and then she goes right. and, and buys that again, and I'm like, you know, I'm yeah. kind of sick of this steak. It's <laughs> like, you kidding me? I just got all the steak and rice. So then I like to switch it up, but I just need that constant variety. I just right. can't do the same thing over and over. The, the most I ever went, I went through a vegan week. Just me and my friend did a little challenge, and one of the things was because like now it's a lot easier because now you know people have vegan meals. Oh man, I know food. people who were yeah. vegetarian vegan 25, 30 years ago. They said it was awful. Awful, terrible, because you have to make everything yourself. You have to, like, double-check right. everything. Like, right. everything. And, like, now you can go to Trader Joe's and get tempeh. And exactly. that's, like, a cultured, like, soy. That and is, it's a buck fifty. Yes. And it, it's it tastes fantastic. Right. It's huge. It's a big... It's, it's much, so much easier yeah. to do it now than it used to be. But then again, too, it's like, you know, what do you, what do you want out of it? Like, I know that... Just yesterday, I'm like, man, I'd really like to start eating things that taste good like much more like like I really need to integrate that into it. but then again so it's like work like we had Christmas like my my family does Christmas we have a weird thing on Christmas Eve we all eat hamburgers french fries and milkshakes we all it's all handmade but like everybody loves it it's the coolest thing we've been doing it for 40 years it, it happened kind of on a crazy way but it's like nobody misses that meal because it's so much fun and then we do all the presents and stuff like that and then we do the serious you know meat and whatever stuff during the, on the next day but I'm vegan, my oldest son is vegan, my nephew is vegan, and his girlfriend is vegan. So we had the Beyond Burgers, which... They're I fantastic. Had, they're, they're great. They're good. They're awesome. I mean, is it a half-pound juicy cheeseburger from Zen Burger? No, it's not. But it's it's pretty damn close. And you know, and then we had the milkshakes with, with you know, almond milk and soy milk ice cream. And the problem is, is it, it's not as easy. It takes more work. It does take a lot of a lot more work, but you know. It's, but even people who food prep, you know, that if you food prep, it takes a lot of work. Some people say that's what they do all day Sunday, every Sunday, is food prep and, and let themselves after the week. Everything takes work if you want to be disciplined with it. Absolutely, it's real easy to be unfocused. Just kind of wander Absolutely. around. Absolutely. There's, there's so much out there now. It's crazy. There's a substitute for everything. You ever have an Impossible Burger? I've been hearing a lot of these Impossible Burgers. You know, I I haven't had it yet, and I'm I'm like I have to. Everyone's talking about these Impossible Burgers and how they taste such like a burger. Right. I'm in, I'm a little intrigued. I just want to say. I'm, Me too. I'm my the, what I was talking about is that you can actually cook it to a temperature too, yeah. which I heard, and like you know, it's like almost like has like if you like medium rare, like it's like almost runs like a, like the blood like of a real burger. I've had it. It's good. Yeah. It's real good. I would eat it again. Right. Yeah. My favorite thing, uh, especially Trader Joe's, was the quinoa cowboy burger. 
Now this was it's it's a quinoa thing. Get some corn in there, black bean, whole kind of mix. And I would use that as a carb source. You know, okay. there's no yeah. I don't need like the quinoa, the proteins in there a little bit, but I'd use it as just an extra carb source. So I'd have a, a burger with that quinoa cowboy. And man, just like you cook that with a little bit of oil on each side, fry each side. Right. Oh, super good, super right. tender in the middle. Uh, that thing was great. Well, I think one one thing too quick about that is too is I think when people when when they go and try something like an Impossible Burger or something else like that, they want and have this expectation that it's go, it should taste exactly like a, a hamburger, it's not and it's point. just not. It's yeah. not. It won't. And I did that for a while too. It's like, oh, it should be this. Like silk soy milk should taste exactly like whole milk chocolate milk, and it doesn't. It's okay. It's close, but it's not. Yeah. So don't don't go in there like like you know you're gonna have something you're gonna cut into a steak because it's not. It's just not the nature of it. You know, farther removed you are from it too. You don't even remember what the old thing tastes like. So you're totally. Oh, I remember what fried chicken tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> he still remember. Oh yeah. Flashbacks. So this is kind of this is exciting. You're going into. A whole new venture now. You're doing uh, some life coaching, right? And you know, if you know anything about Jimmy, you know, in the gym, if you you give away any signs that you know you're going through some or struggling with some, <laughs> he'll he'll take the time and just he'll he'll chat you up about it and give you some awesome advice. Um, so I, I when I heard you were doing that, I think that's awesome. Thank um, you. What what inspired you to kind of get into this? Just something you enjoy doing, helping people out like that. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I totally, totally, totally love to coach um a big part of my identity is being a father um you know i I've got great feedback from from not, well, not just my children but from a lot of people like they said this is i i got told by so many people like you need to be a coach this is what you're supposed to do and i'm a tough son of a bitch i will i'm stubborn i will fight and fight and fight and fight and fight uh but it's like it was almost like I need to. Okay, so now I'm going to be coach. It's like yes, I'm actually committing to being your coach. That's and, my. And a coach comes in a lot of different packages. You know? Absolutely, There's lifting coaches, life coaches. You can coach in anything. It's just instruction, guidance. Right. Exactly. So I've gotten to the point where you know, my life has taken me in a lot of different directions. I, I've been pretty unconventional in a lot of the paths that I've gone down. Like you know, I was the guy who was. You know, at 21 or something, landscaping, right, with a you know digging a ditch and going home and reading philosophy, like doesn't always didn't always <laughs> mix yeah. well, right? So I always didn't take again that stubbornness. But even like, and then of course you know, listen, I have had four children. Um, you know, I've been through addiction, right? But I've also you know been really big into self inquiry for years. You know, I've been parts of men's groups. Um, I did a lot of therapy. I did a lot of. Um, I've done a lot of uh, crazy different jobs. You know, I, I've you know I've worked in nonprofit. I've worked in big banks. I've worked in uh, you know federal programs. I've managed you know 250 people at one time. You know, I've done moved millions and millions of dollars of grants into the you know you know I've done a lot of cool crazy stuff. A lot going on. Right, a lot of stuff going on. And over time, it's like so for me, it's like kind of like. You know, a lot of people said, oh, I am this and I'm successful because I'm here and because I did this and this is my pedigree, right? And it's very tangible and you can look down the line and say, oh, that person went to Harvard, then they got their doctorate and then this and this is why they're a coach. Right, and that's awesome. But also, too, life is not always go to Harvard, get a, a doctorate, and is, right? that will work for some people. I, I know that 
why I'm a good coach is that I'm always interested in learning. I listen to people really well, and I've had a lot of tangible experience over a big, wide area of things in the world. And I've failed a lot, and I come back. Yeah. And you learn a lot from failure, and I'm still here. And uh, You've actually talked to me about a bunch of things over the past year itself, and you actually talked to me about probably one of my lowest points in my life. And then from that, you actually convinced me to try to get everything together. And like from the, like I had a knee injury, I was not taking care of it. I was just letting it build and build and build. But like the next month, like as soon as I was able to, I went directly to a physical therapist. Directly right. from that conversation that we had. Oh, it's great. See, so, that's why I like to do this stuff. And and here's most of the see what happens is for people. See, advice is a different advice is a, is a, is a difficult word. Advice there's there's it's almost like a monetary like it's almost like an exchange. Like advice is like I'm giving you advice. Like, well, I'm not, I'm not giving you like, like, right? It's like like you owe someone for giving you advice. And a lot of times, advice is is not asked for, yeah. right? It's shoved at you. So for me, it's really I think the word better word is feedback. Like if I hear you say something, I can say I hear this. I can say this is really relatable, and I can say okay, here's what I've learned, and I'm going to give you what I've learned, and you can take that if you like. Right, as opposed to finger pointing and saying, you need to do this. It's kind of like, you know, the way I was talking about before, like when you say, oh, I need to bench 500 pounds. No, you don't need to bench 500 pounds, right? A mother that their child is trapped under your car needs to bench 500 pounds, right? She, right? she needs to do that. She needs to get that car up over a baby, right? Right? But you don't need to. You want to, right? So it's kind of the same relationship. You have to, it's about kind of being more open in how you talk to yourself and how you talk to others. I can uh, I relate to that big time because uh, especially starting out doing internships or something, um, you know, it's you gotta know how to approach certain people, and I think that's where a lot of coaches will struggle. Is like when I'm in the uh, intern at Springfield College talking to all these football players, they don't want to hear just me coming up to them saying this is wrong, do this. That's the last thing they want to hear. That's gonna set a bad tone. So what I usually say is, um, you know, you approach it in some way. I'll start with a comment, you know, like that compliment sandwich. Uh, give them a little critique, like, hey, this really worked for me. Right. Uh, and then give them some other compliment. And this is how you approach certain people. Um, some want just, like, real quick feedback like that. Be like, hey, you're messing up with this. Just make that small change. But you got to know how to approach <coughs> certain people and what they need to hear. Well, yeah, so the other person, if has to has to be able to actually absorb what you're saying. If you come to them at a point where they're real and this, this is all over the place. This is like think about the think about the fight you have with your boyfriend or the fight you have with your girlfriend, right? How do you approach it? Ah, you 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 loaded the dishwasher wrong again. Like you're asking for like serious shit, right? You're never going to get anywhere with it. Right, so it really is about how you open up and how you and how you approach people. If you come to like, um, there's there's a guy. He's a motivational speaker. Um, he was a, a Navy SEAL, um, and he, um, he he's like all over the place. So he's like the toughest man in America, and he did the I don't know twenty thousand pull ups and. And, and, and ran a, a, um, David Goggins. Da- that's right, David Goggins. I was right. like, I'm going to figure this out. Right, David, right. So, <laughs> a small arm would figure right, that one out. Right, and, he's, <laughs> and like, he is a phenomenal example of what human beings can do if they totally commit. And, like, yeah, like, and he has that concept, like, 40%. Like, you think you're completely shot, you're only at 40%. So, for me, there, there is a ton of stuff to, to learn from that. Right, but also the issue is, is that only about 10% of people 
will actually fall into that mindset. It's not going to work. People come in and say, you know what? I have to be harder on myself. I'm a piece of shit. I'm weak. I'm this. I'm that. You know what? And that's the appeal. Like, everyone wants to be tougher. Everyone wants to be more resilient. Like, you see the image of David Goggins, like, this is what I need to be. Exactly. But, you know, it's a very, very small minority of people that can even get half of what he can do. Exactly. Can you learn things from him? Absolutely. Can you learn things about yourself? Try to be tougher. Try to be more resilient. All things. Absolutely. Totally. Do you have to go run a super marathon and break every bone in your foot and keep going to to be that? I don't think so. Um, and so, I mean, that's also an approach too. So, like when I see uh, years ago, if I would have saw him, I was like, "This guy's a nut. He's got nothing. He's just a lunatic." But now I said, "Okay, I'm a little more open to what I could get off of that." And I said, "Okay, yeah, I could be more resilient. I could be tougher. I could push myself harder to get more." But do I need to go to that extreme? And I think some people, that's that's the difference between how I like to coach people and as opposed to other people is like, there's one way to do it. There's one way to do it. And there's not one way to do it. There's one way for you to do it, but we're a lot of different people. Yeah. Right? So you have to find the way that you do it best. You have to be open to failing. You have to be open to criticism, a little feedback. You got to be open to... And doing being uncomfortable and doing things you don't like to do if you really want to grow, but you have to find your path. And if you're looking for good coaching, if you're looking for that, then you need to open up a little bit and say, okay, I'm ready to be coached. Because nothing, there's nothing more frustrating as you as a coach, right? When, when you have this huge knowledge base of what to do and you watch someone get on a bench and then they start benching, you say, well, you need to do this. And like, yeah, and they're blowing you off, right? Yeah, there's some examples of that. I remember coaching <laughs> some of the, the team football players there. And I was telling him, hey, maybe you should try placing your feet like this and, and whatever. And then he just turns around and he's like, I'm just here to bench. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm leaving. Type all of right. Thing. And I was like, all right, whatever. Bench wrong all you like. But, you know, but then later on, I kind of formed a connection with him. And now, you know, we're like buddy-buddy when it comes in. And he'll take that type of advice. Like, he'll respect me now. You got to kind of earn respect. But I approached it wrong off the bat, obviously. <laughs> so you kind of have to feel that scenario out. Um, well, but, guys, guys are tough, too. Guys are tough. Like They I, are much more difficult. My, my girlfriend, I said, is a coach and an Olympic weightlifting coach and a CrossFit coach. And, like, she has to approach men completely different. Yeah, tough, tough for in her scenario there. Right. But she, she's an ass kicker. Yeah. And they all fall in line eventually. <laughs> right? Either they're all in or they're all out. Right? He coaches them in or coach them out. Right, because so it's a little like men are tough. Like there's that ego thing, there's that dominance thing. No, where, you know. <laughs> so I want, want to do something fun with you here. So I got some common scenarios. All right, uh, since we all we all love the advice that you give us, uh, I got some scenarios here where you could give us some advice on. All right. Sure. So um, maybe some of these couple first, maybe not exactly for the population that is listening, but I'm sure everyone listening has like a friend or a family member who kind of falls into this scenario I know we can all think of them all right how about like a friend or family member that is uh, here's the new year's resolution train again all right, right. everyone trying to set these new goals um, I don't even know how much stock goes into them they just know they want to look different they don't sure. really know how they're going to attack it but you know here comes the new year they're going to start on the first 
It's not going to start any other time. They're going to start on the second, because the first is a recovery day. Okay, recovery day. <laughs> there's your, there's Let's your get second. real here. Right. And you get sore, and then all of a sudden, oh, well, now i got to take some time off. All right, I'm off the bandwagon until next year. Right. So what, what's your advice for someone who kind of falls into that cycle? So are you talking about the person who, who actually falls into that or the person that's really... The person that struggles, I guess, with that, because we know everyone that's... Right. That they're, they're out at the gym in a month. Well, this so the, the first thing is is that the idea that you have to set yourself a date to start something is is a mistake because you don't have to do that. You can start something tomorrow if you want to. You really want to. Do you, sometimes you need a little build up, a little ramp up, a little space to feel cool, cool about doing something, and you're going to start and commit something that day. That's fine. First thing is you don't have to. You're choosing to to start at a certain time, and a lot of times what that is. Is that's like that's like a slippery banana that people are holding on to, like they're they're just looking to not commit to something. Yeah. So then, you know, the question is, are you really committed to it? Now, that, I you know I should, I did a video post the other day about people joining the gym on the first, and there's always that criticism about okay, here we go again. The gym's going to be really crowded, and oh, there's all these people who don't come in, and it's like who gives a shit? If that's when you've decided that you want to do, and that's when you want to start. Good. Go for it. You're making a decision to be healthier in any capacity. Whenever you decide to start, good. Go for it. Now the question is, is what are you going to do when it gets hard? Now the question is, are you committed and do you really, really want to do it? And how do you want to do it? So you have to come back and you have to ask yourself a few questions. You're going to start on your first. Like, what's your plan? I'm going to go to the gym. You're going to go to the gym. <laughs> what are you going to do when you get to the gym? Whatever's free. Whatever's free. That's usually okay, how it goes. Right. Are you going to eat before or are you going to eat after? Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, so no plan. Like, 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 I like where you're going with this. You're starting off by making a plan to things, a plan to attack, a method. Right. You have to ask yourself those questions. What's my plan? Am I going into this blind? Right. You're not going to go and start a, a, a college course without a, a, a notebook and a pen or a computer. Right, you have to be prepared at some point <laughs> to be yeah. able to to get to be successful, right? And so, what are you doing? Are you setting yourself up for success by going? For some people, saying just getting into the gym past that threshold of that door is a success. They haven't been to the gym in two or three years. Okay, great, you're here, but what are you going to do? How are you going to go forward? So you got to ask yourself a few questions like where 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 are you at? What are you going to do, right? Um, and then you know if it gets hard and it gets sore. You get and it hurts. You get you know you you know you get your post workout you know uh, like doms right yeah. right. Then what do you do? You're just going to sit there and suffer for it, or you're going to try and find out what's the best way to make yourself feel better. And How do I recover way. from this? Right. Yes. How am I going to prevent? Is this normal? Like do a little inquiry around things, a little self inquiry. Now, here's the other part too, is is like the haters, right? The haters. Everyone likes to hate on people who go to the gym on the first part of the year because. They feel they like to feel good about themselves because they go to the gym all year round, and they're better than everyone else, and that's great, right? <laughs> you know. And a lot of those people have looked the same since they started in the gym, like right? Seven years ago, exactly. Yeah. And which is, hey, listen, they go they go to the gym all the time. It's integrated into their life. They're healthy, healthier than they could be, and that's a good thing. But don't listen to those folks. Screw them. Who cares, right? If anything that's that's good for you or anything that's hard is, is anything that's good is going to be hard. So you're going to get the looks and the stares. You're going to read the memes on Instagram. You're going to blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? Just go work it out. 
it is what it is. Now, if you're one of those people who does go to the gym all the time and has a person in their life who's starting, here, here's where you can grow. Instead of rolling your eyes or making that snide comment or posting that Instagram thing or whatever it is, support them. Say, how can I help you? Like, what can I do to, to get you to be in a healthy place and stay there? I, you know, I quit drinking, you know, many years ago. And I actually had a relapse. I got divorced and I kind of fell off the wagon and it wasn't good. It didn't last forever. But I said, okay, I need to get back on point. And my friend said, what can I do for you? And my friend John was a triathlete. He's done three triathlons. And I said to myself, I need to go to the gym, right? Then I want to go to the gym. I want to go to the gym, but I, I haven't been to the gym in so long. I need a little help, right? I want a little help. And for the first two months, he went with me every morning at six in the morning to get me going. And he helped me and he supported me. And, you know, there was accountability there. So, and that's another great thing too. Like bring people into your goals. Like you need help with something, invite people into your world. So, because a lot of times people have goals and things like that and they don't want to put it out there because if they don't, if they fail or if they don't do it or they don't follow through, they don't want to hear the criticism. That support, getting someone in, the, in with you to kind of even just talk about what you're doing is really important because then you're enrolling people into into your life to help to have them help you, right? But you got to be able to, to listen to the help and to say, hey, you should be going to. You said you're going to the gym. It's seven o'clock. You're not at the gym. Well, uh, if you got someone who loves you, they're not going to let you get away with that. No. And it's one thing is being open to that support, being open to advice. Just know, like, hey, I'm new at this. I don't know what I'm doing. I need to be open so I can learn. Like I always worked out on my own. The thing that I actually found out that I love most about going to the powerlifting gym is that all the people around it. Honestly, because I used to be the guy who go to the commercial gym and put my headphones in and kind of like judge, yeah. right? Yeah. Like look around, look at this guy, you know, gonna, <laughs> you know, this guy, this girl over here. Wow, look at her, she's hot, and this guy's a loser, <laughs> and I got stuff. And it was, and it was, but it became, and that's what it was. It was kind of like I really needed to push myself and motivate myself to go, and it was much harder. It was a lot harder, but then I come and I talk to you guys, and I get great coaching, and then I have an opportunity to someone's having a difficult thing, and then I get an opportunity to coach, and it's kind of bringing people into the world of being successful. That's why I love women. Like when I do go to the commercial gym, like you know, there's the the Zumba classes, and <laughs> women like men are out there, and they're like, Ugh. and like, they're yelling and screaming, they're all angry faced, and they're like, woo, woo. they're clapping their hands and they're dancing and they're loving, they're hugging each other. Yeah. What the fuck's going on in there, right? <laughs> and they have fun and they bring each yeah, other, and they support fun. each other, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So there you go, guys. If you, I'm sure you have a friend that uh, you know is is struggling to maybe get back in the gym or whatever. And I'll reach out to them, see if they, they need some help there. Uh, and, and then just clip of this audio here. You want to send them over to this podcast. Some great advice right there. Uh, let's go and do another one here. So say someone's getting into kind of a dangerous health rut. Right there. Physical inactivity has led them down a pretty dangerous road. And they're starting to get some health complications. Uh, but probably their biggest issue just being self-conscious at the gym. I remember when I was starting out, like... The last place I wanted to be was in the gym because all these machines, I'm like, I'm going to look like a total idiot not knowing even though, I don't know any free weight stuff, basically. I know a few sure. dumbbell stuff, maybe, but all these machines, man, this is all new to me. I don't want to look like an idiot and take up so much machine. And I know that was something that I kind of struggled with for a little bit until I learned it. 
but like, what would be your advice for that? Because I know a lot of people are just a little self-conscious about their appearance in the gym or the weight they're lifting or the machines they're using. Well, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of almost the same advice, too. It's if you, if you see someone that you love, that they're not taking care of themselves. You have to have a, you have to have a way to convey that to them without putting it on them as guilt, right? Saying to finger point and say you're getting really fat <laughs> is not the way to go. No. It's not. No one because wants to hear that. No one wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. Um, pulling them aside and saying, "Listen, I've noticed that you've been getting really heavy. Clothes aren't fitting. You know, this, that, whatever." You're on the couch a lot of the times. Um, I feel attacked. Right. You feel attacked, <laughs> yeah. right? So I just want you to know that I just, I, I'm really concerned about you. Like, I'm starting to get worried about you. You shifted towards their physical appearance, their actual health. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So it's not about, you know, you're coming at me with, you know, telling me what to do or you're a bad person. It's more of like, I, me, I'm worried about you. So again, how you, like, approach someone. Exactly. Makes all the difference. Right. And then... When they come back and start to talk, you actually listen to what they say. Instead of having that argument kind of slated in your head or have it ready to have an argument, listen to what they say and hear what they say. Because they're going to come up with 100 excuses as to why that they are doing or not doing what they're doing. And you can, what you can do is like, all right, this is, I hear what you're saying. I hear you saying that you know, you're tired all the time or your back hurts, blah, 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 blah. How can I help you? I'd like to help you, right? I'm going to go for a walk. I want you to come for a walk with me, right? Inviting that person into doing something healthy as opposed to finger pointing and telling them what to do or telling them that they're being bad or they're not doing this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're inviting them into, a, in, inviting them into like a world of, of, of like kind of sharing a good thing with them. Like my friend said, I will take, I will go to the gym with you every day. And he did. Now, not everyone may want to have that commitment, but like, listen, you know, if you're married or you got a girlfriend and, and, you know, said, hey, instead of getting Burger King like we do every Thursday, how about we make some Beyond Burgers or something like that? Let's try something different. Because that's really what it is. People get caught in ruts. They get caught, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with your brain health. It's something called neuroplasticity. Think of like, um, think of like Play-Doh, right? Your brain is like Play-Doh. Like, you can mold it and move it around. What happens is, is that we get into these ruts, and our brains kind of fall, get, get like a little stagnant. And they, think of like a like a like a like a trench, like where you have like these trenches in your mind. Where like if you eat if you eat cornflakes every morning for five years, your brain actually rewards you. It says you're being good, right? Because you're safe. Like we're animals, and you have the same thing. It, it gives you like these little doses of stuff telling you that you're good. Although it's good for you in the short term, it's actually bad for your brain and it's actually bad for your body. Your body actually likes when you try new and different things. And using that to hijack it, when you succeed in a new thing, you feel euphoric. Exactly, right? It feels really good. So what I'm, if you, if you have a person in your life that you're worried about, invite them to change. Invite them into new things. And, but just do it with love. Because I, I know it's a nature, like we grew up a certain way and we had people tell us what to do and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Be soft about it. Be caring about it. Listen to it. Give them, give them, invite them to a good place to come with you, or invite them to a good place, and then you're going to find people actually come to that much more often than if you if you if you come from a place of like telling them what to do or or, or uh, uh, you know being opinionated. Attacking them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know a lot of people too. Um, 
you know, as parents get older, sometimes they, they get physically inactive and, you know, you want to help them, but you don't want to attack them in that way. So sometimes just inviting them to go on a walk or something like that can be a great thing. You spend time together too. Uh, so it's like a double whammy. You get to spend time with your parents and stuff or whoever it may be in your life. And you also get to go on a nice walk, do something physical. So that's a great way to approach that. Well, you know, actually, um, we could follow my, I, my old therapist. This guy was an amazing, he was genius. He was like a chess cook. He was like a chess master at 15 years old. But he grew up in the streets, in the slums. Of, he was just that smart. And he ended up being like one of these guys who's like in the forefront of psychology in the 70s. Brilliant, brilliant guy. And he talks about when someone had a problem, invite them to do something, but don't talk about the problem, right? If your friend is having a problem, then they, they'll isolate themselves. This is what you want to do. Take them out. Let's go for a walk. And don't lecture them. Don't even, you know, for the first start, you don't even have to talk about it. Just come out, be with them, give some time together, be their friend, right? Develop that little bit of little trust again and develop that stuff. Be around them. Make them happier, and then at some point you can kind of bring in those subject matter to, to make it work a little better. Otherwise people feel like attacked or they feel like you're only taking me out on this walk because you wanted to tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so this next one here, uh, this is something I think a lot of our listeners can relate to. And that is, is something that you went through as well. Having some sort of injury, having you know big setback from that. And then, you know, try and get back on the pony, so to speak. Uh, because I know you could get injured, say you hurt your knee. You're not going to lift the same amount of weight. You might not even be able to do the same things you were just doing. Uh, and, you know, that could be all different degrees. But it's definitely something that kicks you back a notch. And it's often very unexpected. And that can be a tremendous mental hurdle for some people. And uh, I'm sure many people who have uh, already been through that, I get messages all the time saying, you know, hey, I got this shoulder discomfort, I tore my pack, and I'm trying to get back into it. Can you help me out with that? Um, so what's your advice on that? I know well, the question is, which injury are you talking <laughs> 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 Because in a year and a half, you know me. Uh, well, I had knee surgery. Uh, then I fell down the stairs at work. Right, remember that one, and then I got into I, a car accident and fractured my sternum. It's been a mess. Yeah, it's been a it's been a, it's been a, it's been a but I'm still here, which is, and I keep coming back. Uh-huh. And the reason is because I really like it and I really want to do it. So the question is, if you do have an injury and you're motivated to get back into something really fast, the question is, do you want to be successful at it? Do you actually want to do this? And do you really, really, really want to hurt yourself like bad, right? I know that with my knee, I have to be careful around it. And... I, you know, I'm still coming off a lot of the, the newbie gains, right? That first year, you know, things shoot up. Now I start thinking of numbers five, six, blah, blah, whatever it is. And, I, you know, that's where I want to be. But I know that if I start to overload myself, right, and I go too hard or go too fast, that um, I'm going to blow something out. <laughs> like, I'm not going to – I need to build the strength, the muscles around my knee to support the weight. It's a slow process. Exactly. Exactly. So people sometimes they they want to go and they want to sh- they get hurt and they're gonna tough it out and they're gonna screw it. I'm gonna ignore this pain and I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna make it. And what happens is that's actually not the toughest thing. That's the toughest thing for the short term to deal with the short term pain. But the tougher thing is to actually pull back, pull on the reins a little bit, examine, make sure like, hey, I'm gonna stop lifting heavy for a little while. I'm gonna do some reparative stuff. 
I'm going to do some higher volume, lower weight to make sure that I give my, my body part the time to heal to then be able to reset it and go back and get back into normal, the normal stream of things. Because if you're looking, because that's really, that's really not the hard thing. The hard thing is to be patient. Yeah. Do it right and listen and do your rehab too. Like do your rehab. So do you, you find it helps too? Uh, I know I was talking about that strategy developing like post-injury PRs and you know, there's post-pregnancy PRs for some right. people and just post whatever ended up happening to you. Um, I think that's a great way to look at those type of things. Just think of it as a different challenge after the injury. I think it's, I think the, the phrase is managing expectations. Yeah, it's not. It's, I mean, it can be a little limiting, right? Because you want to shoot for the stars. Like, listen, if I come into I come into the gym and like, you know what? I'm going to beat Blaine Sumner at the bench press. I'm like, he's a fucking idiot because it's just not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean you can't say like, oh, I, I have these great goals or shit, I want to be in the Olympics. But to you, you, you need to be a little more calculated around it. If you really want to be successful, you have to take the fact that you might have an, you're going to have an injury because you're playing a sport, right? You're actually, this is a competitive sport. You get injured in sports, right? You're going to say, all right, if I get injured, like I have to be patient enough and work hard enough to get around that injury or get healed from that injury and then go forward. Yeah, and that's usually where, unfortunately, a lot of people fall off the bandwagon, um, but it doesn't have to be that way. So, which populations are you kind of offering this service to? Is this just general for now? You just kind of anyone seeking some advice? Uh, I, I'm I just looking for people who are, are looking to change and looking who are who are looking to be a little more um, inquiring about themselves and how they work. Honestly, doesn't matter. If, if you're willing to 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 open up and and hear the words that are coming out of your mouth and then hearing my interpretation of that and come back to you, that's the type of person I'm looking for. Well, I'll tell you guys, um, if, you, if you're looking to reach out at all, Jimmy's a great dude to talk to. Just have a conversation about I'm sure you'd learn a ton. Um, so, like, what, what does a... What, what would your services like entail? Would it just be like a conversation type of thing? And how may someone, if, if they love what they're hearing on the podcast and then the feedback you're giving, how can they go out and kind of reach out to you? So if you're, if what I kind of really specialize in is getting people um, when you're stuck. If you have something that you feel like has been repeating over and over, like you're living like a twilight zone. Big rut. Right, exactly. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, perfect example. If you're feeling like you're having that going on in your life, that's where I, I, I feel like I do my, my best work is to get people moving. I help people get themselves moving forward. And it's I'm not a magician. I'm not any of that. Like, this is not it. But this is just years and years and years of experience of being in, having these changes myself and being in a world of people who are uh, who are into, into self-inquiry, right? Doing a lot of... Uh, uh, um, interesting self work and things like that. So if you're looking, if you have a thing that you just keep keep going over and over and over again, and it's just not changing, obviously something needs to switch a little bit. So that's what I'm really good at. And if you want to get people are nervous uh, about making that change, well, too, yeah, they just need that that little stimulus. Exactly, it's a little perspective change, mm -hmm. right? So if, you know that that's where I come in. 
That's Jimmy Hill. That's right. So it's jimhill1973 at gmail.com. That's the best way to get Can we go over that one more time? What is it? Jimhill, J-I-M-H-I-L-L-1973 at gmail.com. We'll pop that one in the show notes for everybody. Yeah, at gmail. Now you Jim. know how old I am. <laughs> a, sounds like a birthday. Your birthday there. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we leave, though, I think... Uh, so we, we kind of talked about this before. If you don't mind sharing, because um, I think it, it, it's so awesome, because you don't see as much of that, uh, you know, nowadays in today's type of world, uh, is like the example of how your son started that whole uh, what do you call it, landscaping business. Right. Uh, I think that was super awesome because you know most kids they want that immediate, um, you know, I want this, I want that. They get handed cars or whatever. There's no like hard working still to reach what they want. But like the example of your son going out starting like that landscaping business, you know, gathering the money for all the equipment and upgrading over the years. I think that was awesome. Yeah. So if you want to share that story, if you're cool with that, I think that is just a cool way to leave the podcast here. Yeah. Well, my my oldest son Lucas uh, is a is a pretty amazing kid. Fortunately, he's one of the he's you know he's a he's the oldest and he's a bit of a type A. So he's a pretty good self-motivator, which, which helps. Um, but he was looking to make money. And, you know, being you know a divorced father of four kids, like money isn't always the most accessible thing for a lot of things. But, but most of the time, they, my kids all have what they need, right? Yeah. But he wants more. He wanted more. So he decided that he was going to shovel snow. So he started with just a hand shovel going around and busting his butt. Then he said, well, I'd like to get a snowblower. So then I said, okay, we'll get you a snowblower. It makes his job so much easier. You can right. hit more driveways. Exactly. And he had a plug-in one, kind of the one like, you know, like the older people have, is, is yep. an electric plug-in. <laughs> and he worked that thing until it died, and then he got another one. Uh, until he actually was able to save up enough money to where he wanted to buy a, uh, like a commercial blower. And he ended up doing that. So I said, oh, listen, I'll meet you halfway. I'll buy, I'll give you half the money for it. You earn half the money. Now he has this big, huge commercial snowblower, and he blown. And he, and one, one, one weekend he made $700 yeah, at, at 16 years old. Um, that, that turned into him saying, okay, hey, well, I want to start landscaping. I can start mowing the lawn. So I end up saying, okay, you have a lawn. He gives you a lawnmower. And I end up getting him giving him I had a commercial backpack a backpack and then he was using the weed whack it wasn't so great and I said listen okay let's go so I'll meet you halfway we'll, we'll go get you a commercial weed whack so now he has and I paid for half he paid for half and then one of them was a gift or whatever the thing is is that the people want to give him money and I kept telling them there's you're different because there's other kids out there that are sitting on an Xbox which and that's all they do and they don't mow their lawn or whatever and then the people see him and they're like take my money <laughs> seriously and it's gotten to the point where he has 20 20 25 lawns and he just bought his own first jeep and he just bought a trailer and as soon as he gets his license he's going to have his own route and uh, he has people all over the place he's got money falling out of his pockets um because he's a hard worker and then he knows what he wants but also he was supported in it and he got a lot of support but here's one of the great things about it is that if you have good energy and you have something that people see about you that's special, they want to be involved. So when when he's knocking on the door, the difference between him knocking on the door 
and a 40-year-old guy knocking on the door is that it's a pain point, right? So it's painful when someone says, like, oh, I got to pay this 40-year-old guy money to, to snowblow my, lawn, my, my driveway. When they see a 15-year-old kid, they go, ooh, I like that, right? I want him to be successful. I want him to be good because I because it's a good trait and it's a good attribute. So as you're doing the same thing, like if you're going out and you're working out in the gym, people people want you to be successful because you're throwing out good stuff, right? So it's kind of kind of wrap it up in that yeah, way, I think right? It's a, it's good a energy. Great lesson for anyone out there that. You know, you might. I'm sure he probably was a little uncomfortable going up, knocking on his first house, trying to the, do the whole good job there in the, in the driveway. And um, but you can get out of your comfort zone, do something that makes you a little nervous, and uh, you know you can see what comes out of it. You know, you got the 25 uh, houses that he works on and right. stuff. I just think that was that's an awesome story. So thanks for sharing that. Well, and his mom supports him really a lot too. Yeah, yeah, you gotta have the support because uh, that you know, I need, and especially looking back and anything that that I accomplished, I always had support in it. You know, I never was actually done alone. As much as you know, you like to take credit for some of the things you do. Sure, it, there's always other people behind it. Absolutely, um, that supported you along the way. Uh, so before we round it up here, what what's next for you? What do you got coming up? What some new goals and some needs that you got in mind? Well, so do I lifting or just in general or both? Oh, just in general, I guess. Well, every year, um, I, I, I'm, with, I'm with a men's group, um, about 15 guys. We meet in the city and we do a lot of we, we do a lot of talking, a lot of self inquiry, and we challenge each other. Um, so the way that I describe it is that I, you know, there's 14 guys um, in this group to where I say I have goals and I have things about my life that I want to see go in a certain direction, and I give them permission to give me feedback and challenge me. And then in return, I get to do that for 14 other guys. So what we do every year is we do something called a vision board. Don't you guys know what a vision board is? Yeah, of course. Right, so some people doesn't know what a vision board is, is that you literally take like a board and you cut out pictures in magazines or you write things or you draw things and you put it on that board and say, this is what I want to accomplish. And what it does is it literally is good. It's, it's a visual key to, to, to remind you of the direction that you want to go in. So I do that every year. Um, so there's a lot of things in there that, you know, and I know that this is a year I want to do. Also, we have a monthly goals group. We all take turns partnering up and we literally make goals for every month, January, February, March, April, May, um, throughout the year. So it's, there's always a focus and an eye on what you're looking to do, right? There's something good. And that doesn't mean that there's all concrete. You know, I, I'll sometimes if September comes, I'll say, you know what? Oh, I want to, um, I want to start to learn how to play the guitar. Say whatever by September, right? If I find that, oh shit, I did that in April. Good, I can kind of switch my goals. Or I say, you know, what? I, I don't know if I really, that's really the goal that I want to do. But it's, it, it is, it really helps to kind of lay your, lay it out there and give yourself a little bit of a roadmap to forecast exactly what you want to do. Um, goal wise, weightlifting. Um, I think I'd like to deadlift 550 uh, in in February we have the, the I, I heart deadlifting contest and I, I got up 500 the last meet but that was after a long hot it was my <laughs> yeah, ninth lift I struggled to get up 500 but I got it up and yeah, I think I have single lift meet very different from right full I, I know I have a lot more in the tank uh, for that yeah. um, I would really like to squat over 450 um, by uh, by June, 
and I got to hit that 300 by on the bench yeah, by yeah, by June, one. and then it's a big Slow one for crawl me. Slow and lift. That is, and that's I got to tell you, of all the things I've ever done in sports, the hardest thing that for me has been my bench press. So I focus on it. I stay. You're not it. the typical build for for a great bencher either, but that no. makes it even more rewarding when you overcome it. I know some of my proudest moments was bringing up my deadlift because I'm just a terrible deadlifter, right. especially in my structure. But you know, I was really proud of getting up to where I could like handle 600 multiply, right. and that was really rewarding for me. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited to uh, see you attack that in uh, February, that next one coming up. That's it, baby. Yeah, I thank you for uh, coming on. We learned a lot of stuff here My today, uh, right. a lot of great advice. And you know, since we're talking about goals so much, too, uh, for anyone listening, I'm going to leave it up for a while, but it's a totally free download on our website, bigbenches.com, our 2019 planning guide for, for lifters. So, you know, I know how rewarding goal setting has been for me, and not just setting goals, but setting an action plan to get to your goals. So I created a guide for lifters if you want to really set some, some major goals for the year and then actually make an attack plan on how to get them. And you got to reflect on previous years as well, what might have went well, might, might, uh, what went wrong, and then, you know, what you could do to change that going into the new year. And that's a totally free download for you guys i just want you to get that in your hands go over it sit down with it fill it out and i know it's gonna be a tremendous advantage to you so go on uh, the website still have time i'm gonna leave it up for for most of january free download grab that today good coaches always have good plans yeah absolutely gotta and it's not just to set a goal gotta have a plan of action to get there you're gonna have a very hard time reaching that goal all right, guys, appreciate listening. You know Small Arm Leg Strong on the Instagram, at Small Arm Leg Strong. Jimmy, where can we find you on the Instagram? Uh, Jim Hill Podcast. Jim Hill Podcast, the podcast of Jim Hill. And uh, where can we get you? Shoot the email one more time if you want. Jimhill1973 at gmail.com. All right, awesome. We appreciate you being on. And thank you guys for listening to The Benchcast.